It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Wisden World Cup Daily Podcast. That's more like it. England got their 2023 World Cup campaign back on track after a comprehensive win over Bangladesh. Uh, For those of you who didn't get up to watch the early start, England was sent into back, got off to a flyer and never looked back. So good was their start that Bangladesh actually did pretty well to restrict them to just 364. Uh, There were 50s from Bairstow and Root, who played well in particular, uh, well, Dowd Milan hit his fastest 100 for England against a four-member nation, 140 off 107 balls in the end before Reese Topley rips through the Bangladesh top order. I'm Yaz Rana, and with me today is Mark Butcher and Phil Walker. Phil and Ben will be on for part two for some reaction to what has already been a very exciting Sri Lanka-Pakistan game. Kusal Mendes, by the way, has scored an absolute gem of 165 balls there um, if, if i'm recording this how am i expected to be any authority on the other game right we've blown our cover here haven't we uh no not because in a couple of minutes that screen is going to turn into the pakistan drank all right okay well look, um, i'm doing a double hit <laughs> i want recompense for this um butch dowd milan 140 off 107 his sixth odi 100 his fourth of the year which is already a joint england record the average is 65 in the format after the new zealand game owen morgan said it's a different dynamic at the top of the order now with Milan and Bairstow. It's more responsibility on Bairstow to take the lead um, and be the pace setter, whereas previously that's been Jason Roy. That was his natural game. It almost feels that Milan is compared to a player, a peak Jason Roy that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> because in this game, it was Milan who set the tone. He yep. was the one who came racing out the block blocks and he did so brilliantly. Uh, it's it's almost a boring conversation now. The man is a, is a very, very fine international player. And that's kind of it, full stop. And yes, the the dynamic, the comparison with that former partnership, which kind of which changed um, the way that England approached fifty over cricket in particular, um, is is not just unfair. It's just kind of is is pointless. Um, we've seen already in the in the tournament that the surfaces and the and and the way that the game is played out, barring that South Africa run deluge, 
um, have been much more sort of in keeping with having to having to just feel your way in a little bit against the new ball um, and keep wickets in hand. And, and England did it brilliantly. I thought they, they learned a massive lesson from the sort of Harry Carey they committed in the first game against New Zealand. Um, and yeah, okay, they didn't get the uh, the big finish that they were after. You know, at one point it looked like 400 was very much on the cards. But once they just sort of rattled past 250, 260 with, with just under 20 overs left to go, you couldn't see any other outcome than England winning the game. Um, and Milam is a huge part of that. I, I just think he's a fabulous player because he has more than one way of playing. Um, and, you know, w- when Jason was in his pomp, then Jason's one way of playing was fu- was absolutely fine. He didn't need anything else. But I do think that in this, particularly in the lineup that England have got, the fact that they bat so deep, um, the fact that they still have more than enough power um, all the way down to sort of numbers numbers eight and nine means that they can afford to have somebody that who can play a little bit more um, in co- keeping with the conditions. He's got deafness of touch. He plays the spinners really well. Um, and, you know, his, his record speaks for itself. I think that the argument... I felt the argument was put to bed with his selection um, and now it is uh, not only put to bed, it's been tucked in, given a Horlicks and, um, and, th- and that's the last we should speak of it. <laughs> Phil, your moment of the game was uh, Milan's early assault. I thought he was, he's always brilliant through the covers, but I thought today he was particularly ruthless at anything towards his hip, like anything around his hip. He was very quick to sort of swivel to that short final leg boundary. Yeah, inside seven overs, he'd already clumped a couple of sixes over mid-wicket in addition to three boundary fours and was the dominant figure in that partnership with Bairstow. Uh, it wouldn't have necessarily have been premeditated, but you know he'd, he'd made 14 from 29 against a really good seam attack against New Zealand. But Milan is a conscientious bloke and he would have heard the murmurs from Morgan in particular. And while they weren't necessarily directed at him specifically... He would nonetheless have felt it a little bit. He's quite a sensitive character. And so I think look, a lot of cricketers, they thrive on proving points. And Milan has always struck me as one of them. He didn't need to. His record's outstanding. And we spoke about it in the midst of that, that New Zealand game. And then we had a bit of time to reflect on it. And I wrote about it as well. And I've, I've become convinced that he absolutely needs to play this tournament. But... Uh, the extra batsman is the way that I would have gone and, and and Stokes still isn't back yet, so that debate is for another day. But uh, I like the look of England's side today um, with with Brooke in there at five, five or six. Obviously, Butler came in a, a bit earlier this time around. Uh, and yeah, just those two shots that he played, they were both on, but it demonstrated that he was expansive enough and confident enough to play them. And I'm glad that that minor blip not even a, not even a blip but that slightly offish knock against New Zealand which wasn't his fault it wasn't a question of intent it was just a question of seeing off a, a top quality new ball attack but I'm glad that didn't impinge on him um, and when it was there he, he climbed into it Mark says it he's got such a beautifully all-round game he played one shot really early on you know a delicate one just let it run through where but one and a half slip would have been and you see he has that mixture of style and 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 snap aggression as well, you know he's a, he's just a really good all round player, mm. and and the leftishness gives it that extra panache as well. You know, I was really really pleased for him because he often gives the impression that he's 
He's, he's wrestling a little bit with the voices, you know, and, and hopefully now this the is... Man this on is the out, it's a man on the outside a little bit as well. Not, not I, I, and I'm absolutely certain that in the England dressing room that's not the case, but it's, it always feels as though he was kind of like, he's, he's, trying, to, he's trying to make himself one of the lads, you know. Right. Um, and, you know, and, and that's as much a perception from the outside as it is from within. Yeah, but I've interviewed him a few times, and you'd have met him as well, of course, yeah. you know, doing, doing your TV stuff. And... and he is a sensitive bloke and he's an intelligent fella and he thinks long and hard about things and he reads a lot. Um, and he's quite, he's quite open about bouts of self-doubt and wondering if he'd ever come back and being surprised by call-ups and those kinds of things. Uh, and so I'm, I'm really pleased that he's put all of that to bed. And in that setup, on those pitches, he could have a really serious tournament here. I mean, that's a proper statement. Not That's not getting to 100 in 100 balls and anchoring an in innings. That's going out and playing out, playing out your boots. 140 and 107 balls, I think it was. And it's also how he how he talks about himself. Those after he got his hundred at Lords against New Zealand, he he talks about how hard it is to break into this ODI side. And he said, you either have to be a freak or you just got to be an incredibly consistent player. So almost in him saying that, he's othering himself from the rest of the the, the, the freaks. I, I yeah, think, I think these conditions warrant having from everything that I've seen so far only five days into the tournament we've seen one belter pretty much haven't we and everything else has been they've been you know games where 280 might well win you the game I mean the India game was you know that was just like watching them play test cricket wasn't it with the ball ragging square and, and batters having a, having a real tough time of it and I just think in the tournament that that's going to be as important you're going to need people that can come in and give you a, give you a rocket boost in the last 10 overs or something but you're going to need to be able to build a platform. If you if you end up being four down for for not very many, you're completely stuffed. So England have got two players now in that top in the top three in him and Root who are capable of playing in that way. Root is just world class anyway, um, and and England are not short of they're just not short of guys who can go out there and bang it to all parts. So I, I really don't see what the issue is. I think is 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 he deserves to be there. He's played a brilliant innings, and um, yeah, I, I think it might be. The- perhaps the most substantial knock that he's played for England. And I'm saying that in the context of him making 100 in the ashes in Australia. But he very quickly found himself out of that team after that, the post-mortem of that bad, bad tour. Uh, he's, I wrote it the other week. He's been dropped by England more than strictly necessary, if you look at it across the three formats. Um, I think this innings today will have t- will have convinced himself as much as anything else that there is no no one else who is tapping him on the shoulder and he doesn't need to read another word or listen to another minute of a podcast because he's he's properly in there now uh he's made some important runs but he's made him, he's made runs in bilateral 50 overs he made a good 130 in Australia but again it was at the end of a fag end tour and all the rest of it this is his first big huge statement knock in a world tournament mm. for England he had a very quiet t20 tournament for example last year when he, we thought he might be the key man at three it didn't quite work out for him got injured and so on this is a huge innings for him and in his own story and he's a streaky player and he can go he can go on now and he's for sure and he's he's on one hell of a streak I mean just on the mm. uh, splits in his innings that sort of demonstrate the different modes he's got so he was 69 or 51 just after Bairstow got out. 69 or 51. And then when Shaquille bowled that really good spell um, and Root got going at the other end, he was 31 off his next 40 balls as he gets to 100. And then he was 40 off 16 after he got to his 100. Um, so you see the different modes there. So like 
Uh, really, really impressive innings. There was it's, one particular, sorry, Mark, no, just br- br- yeah, one on. particular over. Oh, it's the off spinner, I think. Mahedi. That's him. And he took him for... 20 or four, I think. Yeah, he yeah. took him for two over mid-wicket and clubbed one as well. And then he gave himself room, final ball of the over, and stuck him through square cover to a ball that was outside leg stump. And he actually smiled. He couldn't resist it. And he looked at Root and he almost kind of laughed, you know, joked because it was so good. And at that point, all it was just completely liberated. It's great to see when that happens to a player. It's a rarefied moment, but it was mm. it was glorious to watch. Really mm. beautiful to watch. The other thing I'll say is that the you know again the dynamic at the top of the innings. Johnny Berso again probably feels this anyway, but now he knows that he's got he's 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 paired with an equal at the top of the order. You know that that he doesn't have to stress about becoming Jason Roy he can be himself as well there's there's the, the the trust there between the two of them hopefully would have grown enormously over the course of, of today um, he, he and Johnny looked in Johnny looked in, in in pretty pretty brutal touch at times as well yeah but, but the, you know it. yeah he absolutely but and but the, you know that some of the chat and again Morgs brought it up to me and, and I thought it was a salient point um, about that, about that partnership and that dynamic between the two of, of, of Roy and Bairstow at the top, and how perhaps England might lose something by not having the pair of them out there, despite the fact that, that you know Jason's numbers had, had kind of had plummeted. Um, but so I think it's really important, not just for David Milan, but I think it's really important for the team. It's important for the dynamic between the two of them at the top. And it's a different makeup of a of a top six, top seven compared to twenty nineteen. And number six, you've got Liam Livingston. At seven today, you had Sam Curran. And actually, you, you want to ensure that they come in slightly later. It's not you don't have Butler at six anymore. That that gave the side so much more flexibility. Yeah, it, it does. Ago. But it also, I, I also think that if you if you the way that to look at the way to look at the order outside of the top three is that it's all it's all going to be entirely dependent on on game situations. So none of them have got the numbers printed mm. on their on their forearms. You know, it's kind of and and the ability then to be able to make a call as to who is best suited to whichever particular situation, I think is, is also very important to him. I mean, like somebody like Sam Curran, for example, and we'll probably get onto him and his, his bowling, his effectiveness of his bowling in the middle periods and 50 over cricket in a moment. But he's, if he, if he remains in the side, which I think he will, England will, will stick with him and, 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 you know, hope that another run will, will, improve his performance with the ball but you also have the situation whereby Sam Curran is, is brilliant against spin full stop so you have a situation whereby given whatever set of circumstances you might throw him up there and hold the other the, you know, the more powerful hitters back for later on anyway England have got a lot of options there um, all of which will be will be much more effective and much more um, destructive given consistent starts up up at the top. Mm. Um, your moment of the day was a uh, was from a man making his first World Cup appearance. Yes, uh, Reese Topley. I mean, again, we in our preview of the, of the tournament, I kind of suggested that he might be somebody that might be up there among the leading wicket takers if he stays fit. And I was I was a little bit aghast that he didn't play in the opening game. Um, he came into the side. England immediately looked more balanced. I mean, I'm not suggesting for a second that England lost that first game against New Zealand because of the because of the bowling attack. It was that you know the batters not not reading the game properly, or at least you know believing their own hype about batting down to number ten, eleven, and kind of just not playing with any sort of due care and attention in what is a long game. Um, but top, topley, uh, I mean, he's just you feel he's going to get people out. I think opening batters. Somebody bowling the ball from well well above seven feet, almost eight foot, ability to swing it, quick enough, plenty of bounce. That's just not fun. 
Um, and any game that he is fit for for England, he should be taking the new ball, in my opinion. Mm. Especially against a bunch of left-handers. Yeah, I mean, his record, again, they kept on showing the stats. He averaged yeah. 17 against left-handers in ODO cricket. Yeah. And, and England, historically, in, in all forms of cricket, have had massive trouble bowling at left hand. Not had somebody that you go, right, here's our, here's our guy to the left-handers. Unless you're talking about mowing. Just just on the height thing, to, to people who haven't faced six foot seven giants, what what is it about people that tall that makes it so hard to play against? Um, well, simply because if 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 his length if his length is decent, and and we're talking sort of back of a length ball going over the top of the stumps, he kind of gives you he, he doesn't give you enough enough time to kind of get back far enough to get on top of the ball and you're not getting forward at it either so you end up trapped on the crease and having to sort of you know play with play with your hands a little bit um and and again if you get a, a with the ball that's new you get a little bit of extra zip off the off the surface and whatever he just gets gets people caught slip, you know and, and slip is not not a traditionally um well traditionally it was but in the modern game it's kind of not somewhere where you're looking to get people out anymore you know they're very rarely they're gone after the first seven eight overs most of the time but he has the ability to just nick people off in a in a very sort of test match way of, of going about it. So he's the fact that it moves, he can move it both ways. The fact that he's very very tall and he's and he's quick enough um, means and and the fact that left armers against right handers in one day cricket are, are brilliant anyway. But he's in the very top echelon of of being brilliant as a left arm bowler. So he stays it. Whatever England do. If he's fit, he plays. I feel like he's almost a forgotten man of England's white ball setup in a way, in that he was identified as a really important future England player at a really young age. You know, he was playing for, playing for Essex when he was like 17, playing for England at 20, 21. And he was out injured for, for years. But when he has played, he's done well. I remember even in 2015, 2016, he was doing well. But last summer as well, he took a six for against India at Lords, looked brilliant. Um also, I was looking at his his numbers throughout different phases of the innings. He's, he's like actually pretty good in the middle overs, which I think might become a bit of an issue for England as a as a tournament goes on. Um, he's, just, he's just a very very skillful bowler, and actually with the players England got, he could be crucial for England this tournament. Absolutely, that yeah. And the problem is, I mean, you know, he was given an IPL contract, had to renege on that because of injury. It, it it's just been the litany of bad luck. And he's quite spindly, I suppose. He's, he's a lot chunkier now, actually, than he used to be. I'm, I interviewed him at Chelmsford when he was a teenager. and think we all. When indeed, Chief. Um, <coughs> he, he's a special white ball bowler. No question about it. He's got a beautiful high action and he swings it late. There you go. There you go. There you go. Um, Mark called it last week. You know, he's, he's, he's possibly England's key bowler. And you see, say, the, the way that how Wokes went. You know, he's searching for a bit of rhythm um, and would bowl nicely, I thought. It will be in a kind of dead game by that point. But Topley can easily become your spearhead here. I, I was just as shocked as you were that he didn't play last week. I think it was a horses for courses thing and they got it wrong. Um, definitely against teams with stacked with lefties and teams that perhaps don't fancy the ball that is rising up at them so much, then he's an absolute stick on. He's the first bowler on your team sheet after after our deal. Mm. Um, Huzaifa asked, is that curtains for Moeen Ali at the World Cup, presuming Livingston and Rashid stay fit? It's an interesting question because we were, after the New Zealand game, we were sort of saying Moeen and Livingston fulfil similar roles on the side and you could you could possibly be a bit braver, leave out one of them and either put in an extra batter or an extra bowler. They went the extra bowler this time and Topley had a massive impact in this game. <clears throat> yeah, I, I think, I, I don't see... 
I don't see if the conditions are that spin friendly, then you kind of want all <laughs> all the batting that you can get. Um, but I don't, you know. And if they are, if it is that spin friendly, just look at what Glenn Phillips did. You know, you can throw the Joe Root can bowl a bowl a handful of overs. You can sort of share out your ten between himself and Livingston. The issue for England with in the spin department comes when when the pitches are are less spin friendly, and then you're kind of thinking, well, is Livingston going to be our man to bowl ten? You know what I mean? Again, you might want to share share a few of those out with Joe Root, depending on what the what the makeup of the opposition batting lineup is. But I just I I I, I cannot. I can't see the makeup of England side being any better for not having four quicks in it, whichever ones they might be. But with Topley being the being the first one, um, and and again, everything that I've seen in the in the in the tournament so far kind of lends me to stick with that. Um, like I said, and if and if they do end up ragging Miles, and and then of course, then of course you can bring Moeen back in for whoever you like because he doesn't weaken the batting at all, and and you know you might want to he might come in for Sam Curran for example. That might be the call. But I don't see any reason whatsoever not to have wicket-taking bowlers with a new ball. I mean, mm. that's just that's just a given in in the, in 50-over cricket. And, and that's England's strength, you know, and that's what they've based the last five or six years on, the last five or six decades on. I guess the only question is if they come, if they land on another Chennai-like pitch, uh, almost doctored, if you like, or certainly manipulated, uh, and then they might have to think daringly, and potentially, you know, pack the spin department so you have four from four potential options with Root as, as your fourth option. But yeah, look, on most tracks, in most scenarios, I think the team that they picked today are quite liked, really. Mm. Uh, when Stokes does come back, assuming, and he apparently had a long net, I think they were saying, did they say that today? Yeah, I saw that on the on the right. on the broadcast. So yeah. yeah, you don't know how he's going to rock up after that, but hopefully he's back soon enough. Mm-hmm. And I'm convinced now that when he does come back in. Mm. Then it is for one of Livingston or Moeen or or Curran personally. Mm. Um, I, I think you'll be a straight swap for Brook. Yeah, I, I personally wouldn't go that way. I think I, I was a bit spooked by what happened against New Zealand from an English perspective, um, and I would. I, I have a question for you. Had had put it put it this way. Had they gone? Had they had the? Because I don't think that the issue is with what happens in the batting order. Per se, I think it's it's more what the balance is down at down at the bottom. I don't think the balance, the batting order was wrong, or the the amount of batters was wrong in that first game against New Zealand. I just thought the way that they did it. So, for example, in in the scenario that England found themselves in, if Ben Stokes had been in there, would he have gone four, four, six, four out? Um, sure. You know what I mean? You can't, <laughs> or, or you know, would would Glenn Phillips have picked up two for spit type thing? You know, that's mm-hmm. the now type of thing you're talking about, rather than the the physical attributes of the players. Um, and which but, but, is part of the, which is part of the reason why they were so keen to have him in because of, because of his smarts basically, um, and and he has those it, you know his reading of game situations is just so much superior to to somebody like Harry Brook who's who is at the infancy of his career, um, and so I, I, the the balance of England side for me was very very good in this game and the only way that I would change it given given conditions would be that Sam Curran would sit sit it out and Moeen would come in for him that's because I, I'm still as I was before the tournament started, I, I still don't think that Sam has got the has got the has got the game to be able to be a game changer outside of either bowling with a new ball, which he's not going to do, or bowling at the death. The bit in the middle is not is not for him at this moment in time. He doesn't have the he doesn't have the the capability of say somebody like Liam Plunkett or somebody that's got a little bit more oomph behind the ball 
to get rid of batters who are not going at 12s, which is what makes him so brilliant. You know, we even saw him at the death here today when he when all of the change-ups and things came and guys were having a hack. They couldn't get lay a bat on him. When they weren't having a hack, it was just Milkingtons and, until, until a four ball came along. And so, you know, that's, that for me is the, is the, is the one area perhaps where, where the, there is a, a potential strengthening to come. And I guess that Sam Curran's role changes if there's an additional seamer. Curran doesn't have to bowl as many overs against New Zealand. He had to bowl a lot of overs up top. And I know he got the early wicket of Will Young, but other than that, um, he was negotiated with pretty straightforwardly. Um, Phil, we had a couple of questions in on Chris Wokes, who was expensive again today. Um, you're, you're not worried about Wokes' form. And there are some people being like, he's outside of England. He's lost all his powers and all that. But but it's not that. It's not. It's not the same problem. Is in Red Bull cricket, it's that the Kookaburra ball just doesn't swing for as long as the Duke's ball. Here, it, it's swinging. He's just not really finding his areas, and he's played enough excellent ODI cricket over the years for for us all to think that he'll he'll find rhythm again. Ditto. Yeah, cool. I echo all of that. His <laughs> his IPL record stands in his favour here. He knows how to bowl with the white ball in India. His skills are outstanding. He's just missed his lengths a couple of times. Mm. Um, before we continue, a word for our whiskey. Um, you can get the Wisden limited edition Wisden whiskey, um, seventy cl bottles, uh, which come with a glass as well, for just forty pounds at wisden.com forward slash shop. Just forty pounds. You get vodka and gin as well if that's your thing. Um, my moment of the game was um, it wasn't just a moment. I guess it was an extended pas- passage when Bangladesh were effectively playing for net run rate when the game was completely done um and i get that you get fewer close games in 50 over cricket than t20s i can live with that um, and i think even though we haven't had a close game yet in this tournament there's there have been some really excellent passages of play some good games even if they haven't been good finishes but when you've got the bangladesh seventh wicket stand going at threes when the required rate was over four teams um first of all i was wondering what can be done and i saw Ali Martin on Twitter suggests that just do it on head-to-head first. Um, you know, everyone plays everyone, so you can do it on head-to-head. Um, and two, I was wondering, what what's it like to, to to commentate on that? Because you had poor old NASA in an uphill battle trying to convince everyone that this was worth watching when when it really wasn't. You know, he really <laughs> he really should have been saying, turn over to Pakistan, Sri Lanka, Kusal Mendes is looking good here. That's what he should have done. But obviously you can't do that. Um, so yeah, what, what, what's it like when you're on commentary when... You, you've got those passages to play in 50 over games. That, that's that's when you you know that's when you dip into your uh, your broadcaster's um, sack and come up with with other things to talk about. Basically, I mean it was horrendous, wasn't it? Um, it's and it, obviously the, the the format the the tournament with net run rate being so prominent makes that sort of finish much more likely, which is which is not ideal. It's, it's the opposite of the of the bonus point for tries in rugby, isn't it? It's kind of like you, you pick up bonus points for boring the shit out uh, sorry, excuse me. Boring the crap out of everyone. Um so yeah, perhaps that that needs looking at it sounds, sounds like a reasonably good idea to me. And in fact, wasn't uh, Oh no, I was thinking of the head to heads when they count when you when you go into the sort of like the super sixes or whatever it was and you carry your points over that that um rather convoluted way of doing things when it was a, a fourteen match mm. world cup and that would the, the ali martin's the um idea seems like a pretty straightforward one but it's you know we, we've got a long way to go before we can talk about that for the next world cup unfortunately mm. um tim asked what's with the shirts so have you guys seen this so england have shirts where the size of the text on their chests is not uniform so there are some shirts where 
it's very big. Some shirts are very small. And there are some, sh- some shirts where the Castor logo is on the left and the World Cup logo is on the right. Uh, and then other shirts where it's vice versa. Um, there are other things happening in the world. There are potentially. Is it the, the, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. I haven't noticed the size thing. but the, That's um, true. Yeah. Size isn't everything. So they tell me. <laughs> I don't believe them. Um, um, it's, it might just be sort of left-handers and right-handers having it on their front shoulder. That might be the, the, the we reason. We looked at this. It isn't, it's not. It's, it's not just random. That. It, it, it's predominantly that, but there are some exceptions. <laughs> so, um, uh, okay. you know, spent a good five minutes wondering about that yesterday. Um, that shows you just how dull the finish of that game was, doesn't it? Really? <laughs> I mean, Phil, we're, we're nearly a week into the tournament. Everyone's played. A few teams have played twice now. This Pakistan Sri Lanka game might be a good finish, but we haven't had a game that's been close to a good finish. Mm. Should we be worried? Worried for what? The for future, our own the sanity? Yeah. More that, yeah. The next six weeks. Yeah. We've, I think we've discussed it four weeks in a row now. And, and Joe made the point last week that, you know, these T20s are done like that. So you don't have to, the arse doesn't have to be dragged out of it. Let's put it that way. It can be a slow and miserable death, compounded by the the NRR scenario, as you've just outlined. Uh, That is true, unquestionably true. The one thing I would say is that some teams have batted first and won comfortably. Some teams have batted second and won comfortably. So at least it doesn't seem to be hinging too much on the toss and batting first. So while it's not been an ideal start in terms of humdinger finishes, at least it's not skewed so much towards one team or another. Mm -hmm. And so you hope that it will balance itself out and that you're going to get a couple of good ones here and there. Um, perhaps there is something in... You, you see it in test cricket, don't you? T- teams, they play in a certain way until they can't win anymore and then they just almost sort of shrug their shoulders to it as if the inevitable is, is, is already written. And perhaps in certain cases, you see that with a run chase where you know that you're not really going to get there and so... I don't know. So there's, there's perhaps... There's the, a, the Sunil Gavaskar um, yeah, batting so back. Not out. So, yeah, yeah. so Bangladesh's number eight today, M- Mahedi Hassan, uh, who's got a first-class batting average of 38, 14 off 32. There was, there was an over to, to Wood, which I know I know he's quick, but he's just ducking under all of them. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Um, but obviously, that there, there, there are net run rate reasons why they, why uh, they do that. There's another, there's another point here, and that is, you know, the... the the way that the tournament tournament is set up, obviously England lose their first game, right? But there's no jeopardy in losing your first game. There's no jeopardy in the tournament at all yet. That that starts that that will reveal itself as everyone's played a couple of games and suddenly you're looking at it and going, well, hang on, we, you know, we can't afford to lose anymore at the moment. With the amount of games that everybody has to play, the end and qualifying seems so far away that mm-hmm. you're kind of not that bothered yet. Um, you know, obviously all the teams would like to like to get out the blocks. I mean, it was, it was interesting. South Africa came flying out. Isn't that very South Africa? They've got racked up 400 in the first game. We'll see how they go in a game come game seven. Um, but, you know, you know, it's, it's kind of, there is, there is so much cricket to be played. There are so many matches. There's so much travel, et cetera, um, to be done that the sort of first couple of rounds almost seem like they're, they're sort of, you will know, get them out of the way. Everyone can feel their way into the tournament and then the whole thing starts properly, which isn't a great endorsement, admittedly, but, it, it's the reality of it. Um, we're not kind of anywhere near the, the the business part of the group stages yet. Yeah, I also wonder that the the white ball watching culture is just different now. So it's not just that T20 games are over and done with. Just there are so many of them. So in that period of the year from like November to April, really, where there's just T20 games going up, loads of them all over the world, 
Loads of them are televised. All the leagues are televised. So the way you sort of watch it and follow it is you, you look at a scorecard and go, oh, that's interesting. You're not actually following it the whole way through. So I wonder if we're, we're just a little bit spoiled, actually, that, that we're, there's a good finish every day. And right. you also have to bear on? in mind that, you know, you, you, can only, you can only speak from your own perspective. I mean, we're, we're jaded and we've watched a lot of cricket. But, there, <laughs> but, you know, I remember being 19 or whatever it was. Crikey, hang on, I might have been a bit older than that. Yeah, 19 or just 20 when the, when the 92 World Cup came mm. around. And I sat and watched every single, do you know what I mean? It's kind mm. of, it, you're, it depends on where you're sitting. It depends mm. on, on how much how much cricket you have ingested over the years as to, as to whether or not you're kind of excited by the prospects of sitting there and watching 100 yeah. overs of the game. He's absolutely right. Look, the, the, the jeopardy in the last two weeks of the tournament is completely different to the first couple. So, mm. so there will be subtexts and subplots and mm. permutations that you that will keep you gripped as well yeah uh, stick with us listeners <laughs> yeah yeah but but also you've seen some outrageous cricket right you yeah, know there definitely. have been too many one-sided games but within that you've seen some i mean we're going to come to it later ben and me on the, the graveyard shift but Phil you know men, men, men the flower pot men yeah lovely but yeah Mendes' knock earlier, for example, you know, it's, it's a knock for the ages the way mm. south africa went about it the other day against the same team spectacular so so yeah, look, there's we could do with a real classic. Australia India threatened to be it. Um quite frustrating in a way that it wasn't from a neutral's mm. perspective, you know, two for three and then they end up sort of cruising it. Uh but yeah, look, there there will be some me- memorable and some legendary games. I just hope come down the pipe that the semis and the finals are tight and close, mm. you know, because there's always that threat with 50 over cricket now. Mm. So hopefully in about three years' time when the thing's done, we can have some classics to remember. Yeah, um, just on context, subtext and all that, um, just on, on Bangladesh, Lytton Das looked absolutely class today. Mm. You know, in amongst the carnage that was happening at the other end, Reese Topley ripping through the top order, he looked absolutely brilliant. Shaquille bowled very well as well, but just on uh, a real positive, he's, he's a player who, um, really good numbers for a few years now, but hasn't really had a major tournament like this before. So it was good to see him bat like that um yeah it's the same same old story for bangladesh against england though mm. they always seem to get blown away and they often come into these these games it seems on a bit of a with a bit of pep in their step they played well in that first game really well actually and it just did not happen for them at all uh but you know it's it's topley's game it's a statement performance really mm. yeah i thought that um maybe there was an injury that that we didn't know about with taskin but i thought it was weird how um, he only bowled six overs. He only bowled three overs in the first thirty odd. Um, as Shaki himself bowled really well, but he bowled the two Mahedis quite a lot, and both of them were going at well. I'm looking at here, um, one went at eight point eight seven, the other went at nine point one six. When Taskin was causing a few problems early doors, I thought he could have come on earlier to cause England a bit of uh, trouble when Root and Milan were going particularly well. But anyway, um, that's it from us. Cheers, Mark. Mm. Cheers, Phil. Uh, Phil will be back later on with Ben to talk you through the back on game. Technically, straight away, straight away. Yeah. But for you, <laughs> in, a, in a few hours' time, sit tight, sit <laughs> smooth. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, 
the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Pakistan have completed the highest chase in World Cup history, with centuries from Abdullah Shafiq and Mohammad Rizwan trumping hundreds from Kusal Mendes and Sadira Samarawik Rama at Hyderabad. Phil, this was the game of the tournament so far, wasn't it? Yeah, welcome back, listeners and viewers. Me again. Um, oh, without a doubt, yeah. I was saying about four hours ago, but for the listeners and the viewers, about ten minutes ago, that <laughs> there's, we haven't yet had a humdinger, and this was this was the best effort so far. It was actually quite devoid of tension for the last forty-five minutes or so, for me anyway, because mm-hmm. you can see when a team is is beaten, and when uh, Sal Shaquille chipped one up to extra cover and the skipper I think it was put it down and then there was a dolly at long off drops as well then you knew not only was Sri Lanka going down but they were going out really of the tournament it would take a miracle really from here on in for them to even feature mm. in and the that- final four but nonetheless you look on paper the best part of 900 runs scored uh, 700 runs scored maths been <laughs> a long day uh and what 400s Ben yeah 400 yeah yeah I mean the, t- the only tension towards the end was in Mohammed Rizwan's legs, wasn't it? Which was sort of a contracting at a, a, a alarming rate. And that that drop catch well, because that it was Hemantha, wasn't it? He'd taken a brilliant catch as a subfielder mm. earlier in the game to sort of reignite Sri Lanka's hopes. Uh, and you know, Pakistan were in trouble early on. So it was a brilliant partnership, but yeah, by the end it was it was kind of a done deal. I found uh, it quite sad to watch, really, for them. Uh, because they played brilliantly for the first forty percent of the game. Uh, but it's just not been their month, has it? You know, to lose Hasaranga and then mm-hmm. to lose Chimara as well. Uh, they're they're light on the bowling side at the best of times, and so those two were their their gun players really. And to lose both of them, um, it was always going to be a massive ask for them to really have much of an effect in this tournament. And then to stick what three, four, four on the board and give it up with ten balls to go. Yeah, there are there are defeats and then there are defeats, and that one is going to be. Uh, it's the end of their tournament. Let's be honest; it's essentially the end of their tournament, barring something extraordinary from here on in, which is a great shame, because they're always so watchable. Mm. Uh, and there was great, great flair with the bat, as you come to expect, but they ju- they just they're just lacking discipline with the ball and a little bit of class, really. And they've got a, a number of a number of bowlers that haven't really proved themselves yet. At the at this top level, um, and so yeah, it's 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 a 
It's a sad story, really, for Sri Lanka, who would have been feeling pretty good about life in the latter stages of the Asia Cup a month or so ago. Yeah. But it's just not not gone their way since then. Um, but, you know, Pakistan probably needed to win this one going into the big one on Saturday. So while it's it's a blow for the, uh, for the prestige of the tournament moving into the final weeks, you know, the more teams that have something on it, the better. From Pakistan's perspective, and everybody is, is, of course, every neutral is hoping that they they stick in there and hang hang tough through to the last four if possible. It's a big, big deal for them going into, as I say, that monster game on Saturday. Yeah, I guess it's. Uh, I mean, look, Sri Lanka have conceded the world record, sorry, the World Cup record total in their first game, and then a World Cup record chase in their second game. Uh, and I think it's. I think a lot of those players are talented, like Pastrana. I think is a really talented bowler. It's just it's just come a few years too soon for him, for Wallalage, for a couple of others, and I guess that's that's what we kind of saw today. Um, let's talk about some of the the good, bit more positive stuff. As you said, four four hundred, which is the most ever in a World Cup game. Mm. Only two other men's ODIs have had four hundreds. Uh, which was your favourite? Well, Kusal Mendes for sure. Um, let's have a look. One hundred and twenty-two from seventy-seven balls. Took him four minutes over two hours for 122. Uh, he stuck six of them over the rope, 14 of them along the floor, and still falls on the winning side uh, on the losing side. And that that is the the Mendes story in microcosm. I, I've said to you before. I think he's one of the unluckiest cricketers out there because mm. it was his fate to be coming into a setup that had lost the real big beasts, the obvious names, and he became the great hope for Sri Lankan batting before he was ready to fulfill that role. Uh, and he, and that tag was put on his back because he's absolutely brilliant. Naturally, he has immense amounts of talent. He, you remember he announced himself in test cricket, 170 odd against Australia. Yeah. When they've been bowled up for a hundred in the first innings. That's it. They go on to win that test and then win the series three 0 Yeah. Now I'm going to bring up when it was. Uh, 2016, I believe. It was 2016, exactly. It was 2016, yeah. And he'd have been 20-odd years old. Uh, and I think it's been a bit of an albatross around his neck ever since, really, that, you know, the, the best of the new breed mm. as they try and transition from from the Sangakara Jai Wardner era into something else. And I remember somebody did an interview with him for our magazine a few years ago and and he said he wants to be the best player in the world. And he said it was such a sort of wide-eyed naivety. Uh, and he was full of the joys with limitless options, limitless optimism for his, for his career. And what the game has done is chip away at him. He's been dropped from all Sri Lankan teams at various points. Uh, he's, he's come into certain big tournaments cold and it's not worked for him. He came into this one in really good form, right? He played really well for the couple of months building up to it. And he's in there at three. He played a scorcher against Sri Lanka, uh, against Africa as well. Yeah, yeah this is what I'm saying. Yeah, so he played really, really well in the build-up. Uh, and he's played as well as he possibly can here. Um, and yet, in the end, in the final analysis, you know, he's going to have to drag the team onto the bus and, and the post-mortem begins. Um, it's... It's just kind of, it's a reflection of his story really in this setup and and they're a very plucky team. They're doing they're, they're doing good stuff in the test arena as well. But they've just been found wanting here through no fault of obviously um the top four that are, that are doing okay. But 
but that bowling side is raw um, and it, it lacks a sort of focal point. That's the real loss of Hasaranga, uh, whose 50 over record is okay, but his 20 over record is absolutely outstanding. And they could have hung a bowling attack around him because he could have offered control and incisiveness in the middle middle overs as it is. They were just lining up to to get to get deposited when Pakistan did come to, come out to bat. Mm, yeah, and to make matters worse for for Mendes, he was actually hospitalised with cramp after the uh, the end of the innings. Which, right. like, at first I was like, that's a bit funny because whenever anyone gets cramp, you think that's quite funny. But actually, the only thing that's funny about cramp is the fact you know it's going to end soon because it is really painful. So if you have cramp that doesn't end, it must be absolutely awful. Uh, yeah, it's it's normally a like a. A ten-minute thing, right? Tops, yeah, yeah, tops of that. Yeah, poor fella's been been hauled up in in in, a, in hospital. But it was a theme throughout the game, and yeah. so obviously you've got to come to to Mo Rizwan's knock, which, in the context of Pakistan's competition, right, is a really really important innings because they didn't convince us at all in the first game, and then you give up three, four, four. Your seamers don't really deliver, and we've got to come to that. I think. Uh, and then to lose too quickly. So what were they? Tw- 37 for two with Baba Azam gone. 37 for two chasing 350. Mm. That game, you just think that's done basically. Yeah. yeah. And Mo Rizwan on one leg for part of it, finishes up 131 not out. Mm. Uh, huge moment really in, in, in Pakistan's competition. And also I think it's probably worth pointing out, they came into this game... And if, sure, there will be a kind of a force field around the team and they'll block out the external noise. But the fact that uh, there's clear diplomatic in issues, to say the least, mm-hmm. between the PCB and the BCCI. The PCB released a statement um, earlier in the piece um, talking, con- well, confronting the BCCI for their alleged perceived failure to... to to allow visas for fans and journalists to get into into the country, let alone into the grounds, um, almost unprecedented, really, for the PCB to make such a such a statement mid tournament. So it's a, it's, there's a lot of stuff going on around them, uh, and so to have calmed it all down and made those made that runs those runs, and then to have steered them across the line a serious serious knock, really. Um, and look, if you are looking for a moment of the of the the game, yeah, you, well, that that was mine. Yeah, the, you uh, have to go to it, right? Go yeah. on. And so uh, it's just so he, he basically, yeah, he comes down, hits a six, and then just uh, a beautiful six over extra cover, and then immediately collapses with cramp. And actually, the it was it was collapsing and cramp. But it was also the way his leg shot out, as if he'd been like had a jolt of electricity put through him or something. It was like a proper like like a starfish kind of thing with that one leg. Uh, and then yeah, he was struggling with cramp all the way through. There was one moment where like it was quite fun sort of watching him back but it was more fun watching after every shot he'd just be punching his thigh lines mm. uh and that's just a, a fun thing a fun thing to see um, they, they they say it's one of cricket's cliches obviously um you know beware the one-legged cricketer yeah and it goes back to Greenwich and all, all the rest of it but I think there is something in it psychologically I think it can simultaneously focus the mind and also sort of free you up a little bit mm-hmm. it because if you're compiling a big innings, then there are going to be moments where you drift away from it. And there's going to be moments when you're not quite as locked into it as, as other times. Um, if so, if you are carrying an injury, then it has a peculiarly sort of energizing, emboldening effect on you psychologically. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, there's a reason why it's a cliche, because it has grains of truth in it. 
Uh, and you saw that with Rizwan today as he was approaching the 100 and battling the cramp. He got over the line and then played really, really sensibly after that. Mm -hmm. It was almost like it had had the effect of focus, sharpening the the senses. Um, and as I say, it was a bit, bit, of, bit of a procession really towards the end. Ten, ten balls to spare when you've when you're chasing three, four, five, that's a serious, serious run chase. And held together by Shafiq, right? Playing his first game. Well, yeah, I was going to say, we should mention, we should also mention Sadira Samara Wickrama, who's made right. his first World Cup 100 as well. But yeah, I think that I'd agree with you that the Mendes one was the, that was the, the pick of the 100 just from a, an aesthetic and probably a quality point of view. But I think that Shafiq 100 is probably the most significant because Pakistan made a, a big and a, a pretty decisive call to leave out Fak as a man, you know, is a, is a great for them in OJ cricket. Had, had an amazing start this year and then struggled, but you think he was going to get a bit of time at least. But no, one game, one failure, and that's it, he's gone. Um, and Shafiq doesn't have a, a huge white ball record. He's done a bit of stuff in T20 cricket, but nothing in List A cricket, nothing internationally for Pakistan. In white ball cricket, he's got a brilliant early test record. Uh, and so to play like this kind of makes that top order look formidable again. And so actually... From there, having been a few questions about them, and there are still a few about around, I guess Imam, who's in a bit of a, a bit of a trough. But you've got Abdullah, who looks really good. You've obviously got Babar. Rizwan is in the form of his life in Odo cricket, really. Saw Shaquille actually looks like a really quality number five. That top five actually looks more settled than it has done for a little while, even though they've just axed one of their big players. I think that's that is quite important. Uh, Shafiq's twenty four. He's already made serious opening bat test match hundreds where mm-hmm. he's batted for session after session. He made good runs against Australia. Uh, played well against England in parts. Uh, but he's clearly the full package, right? Because the, the clarity of shot in this innings was fabulous. Mm-hmm. Clearly can absorb pressure. There's, that's no concern of his either. But he played all around the wicket, made hit three, three sixes, ten fours, comfortably ahead of a runner ball. 103, 103 balls for his 113. Never really looked in any trouble. Yeah. And yet you would think, you know, this was his this was his trial, right? You know, this was his his audition. Mm-hmm. And yet he played like he'd been doing it for 10 years. Um, you can tell a class player when you see one, uh, and he is one of them. There is always, with, ev- with any team across a tournament this sort of length, there's always different incarnations that it goes through. It's very rare to have, say, what England did, last time out when you essentially win it with 12 players. Mm-hmm. Very it, rare that happens. And even then they made a change partway through with Plunkett coming in for Mayan Eye, didn't they? Yeah. So. yeah. Uh, so I was surprised that they dropped Zaman because his record over the last four years is really good, but his recent record isn't. And it's it's those kinds of decisions that you need to make, I suppose, when, you, when you're in the real stuff. And, mm-hmm. You know, this is the business end now and... And so it's a brave call. It's probably the right one. Imam Al-Haq's a really good player. He's had a you know, a quiet couple of games here, but he's a good player. There's no concerns there. I would imagine that the concern, if there is one at the moment, and Pakistan, you know, they're 2-0, so they're, they're going okay, is with the bowling attack. Now, this was... We assumed the conventional wisdom was if Pakistan are going to go far in this, then they'll be spearheaded by their three really good quicks. Now, then Nazim Shah falls away. So they've only got two with Hassan Ali, who's a very useful backup. But as of now, Shaheen and Harris Ralph, they haven't quite clicked, have they? Uh, I think Harris Ralph, it's tricky. I think he bowled well in the first game, actually. 
um, and took good middle overs wickets and the kind of middle overs wickets that you can see being really useful against good teams when those wickets between overs 15 and 30 are just absolute gold dust. Uh, and even in this game, I mean, two for 64 in a high scoring game um, and he's, you know, he's, okay, one of them was last ball of the innings. I, th- I, th- I, think, I think he's all right, but Shaheen is the real warrior, I think, mm. basically. Mm. So it's it's a peculiar one and it might just be a just very much a short-term thing. Yeah, but I guess also he hasn't quite exactly the same bowler since he came back from that injury, really. Like, I think if you go through his... He's got decent numbers this year, but if you actually go through those spells, he's not having quite the same incisiveness with the new ball as you'd assume that Shaheen would have at least in ODI cricket. He didn't have a great PSL. So I think there is a bit of a concern there. He didn't bowl out today. It was the most expensive of their bowlers. So, yeah, that... That that is a concern. Obviously, you're not dropping Shaheen. It's just that you need him to have a good World Cup. Pakistan are going to have a good World Cup. Yeah, I, I guess though, with with a bowler like him, you 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 fall into the trap of just assuming that everything's going to work all the time because technically he's so good and he has such a good record. But perhaps this isn't going to be his role in this in this tournament. Perhaps he will be a shock and awe bowler on certain occasions and. I mean, what what a time to announce yourself on Saturday if if it were to play out, you know, against against India, for the for the uh, the kind of egalitarian side of the tournament, it's a, it's a shame on Sri Lanka, but for the build up to the the, the game on Saturday, which your mind keeps wandering to, because it's it's a, just obscenely big game and obscenely big ground, uh, with an obscenely big build up. Uh, as referenced earlier as well, diplomatic rows and all the rest of it. Uh, I can see Shaheen still doing something very special. You know, by no means are we saying that he's 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 short by any means. Um, this is Pakistan, and they've had two relatively easy easy fixtures up up to now. The tougher ones come, but they'll be really mightily pleased that they've got them both under their belt because they haven't played consistently well across these two games yet. Uh, but in the past, they wouldn't have played well and then they'd have come up short somewhere. Uh, it bodes well that they can play in and out erratic cricket and get these two results. Yeah, and India's build-up to that game continues tomorrow. They play uh, Afghanistan in Delhi. I guess they'll so they'll be without Shubman Gill, who's, whose dengue seems to have maybe worsened a bit. He was in hospital earlier this week. But I guess even without him, they should have too much for Afghanistan, you'd imagine. But they had that top order slide against Australia. So they, they would at least want... You know, tie in the middle for the likes of Rohit Sharma, Ishan Kishan, uh, Shreyas Iyer, mm. I suppose. Yeah, um, tomorrow's probably not the game for Afghanistan to to make their mark. Avoiding a miserable defeat, a heavy defeat, would be quietly their first port of call. Uh, but we do run the risk a little bit with Netherlands, Norton 2, Sri Lanka, Norton 2. And Afghanistan probably going to be Norton two almost certainly after t- after tomorrow's game. We do run the risk of already contracting this ten team tournament into a seven team tournament. And Bangladesh, who played very well initially, but got you know got hit hard really by England, they could easily fall into that that dustbin if you like without sounding harsh, but you know what I mean. And then it could be a six team tournament for for three weeks to to whittle down to four mm-hmm. and that could be quite a long a long haul I feel it could be yeah I, I guess I mean I do agree obviously that 
India had obviously heavy favourites tomorrow. They they did come pretty close to beating them in 2019, didn't they? It was a I think a Mohammed Shami hat trick right at the end that um that that sort of finally rested that game away. And I suppose it's it's tricky to work out what what you want from this World Cup because it would be great if it was a proper ten team brawl, all teams taking stuff off each other, someone squeezes in with with five wins or something. But equally, I think that that was always unlikely. So actually, if that six team battle can be really really tight and then towards the end you've got the bottom four who are still struggling but are able to take games off those teams I think I don't think we've seen anything to suggest that the likes of Afghanistan Netherlands Tranka Bangladesh won't beat any of those six teams I think they will have their say in how the tournament pans out even if it's not Mm. for their own semi-final thing Yeah. yeah and you're probably right on that uh Netherlands have certainly not disgrace themselves at all you know they play some good cricket they play some very good cricket in patches in the two games the nature of Sri Lanka's defeat today felt quite mm-hmm. heavy though quite terminal really yeah. not just for their chances but certainly for their morale their self-esteem uh, and I'm not predicting this but you can see a way that those two teams can be marooned if we're not careful here uh and so then it then it does become a contracted story. That said, if if that's the way of it, then so be it. You know, if there are six almost interchangeable teams, if you can make a case for all all six of the of, of the big dogs, not just getting to the final four, but the final two, and you can toss a coin really between between any number of them. There's only really India that are clearly playing a different level at the moment, a precarious one though. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that's the if that's the way of it, then so be it. You know, um, as you say, it would be good to have a ten team team brawl, but that's not the way things work. Uh, I just hope there aren't too many dead games in the in the final analysis. You know, and that these plucky teams, Sri Lanka in particular, can rouse themselves towards the back end. They're not going to finish in the top four, uh, but they're a proud nation, and and they've got some match winners as well. So it'd be, it'd be good to see see the thing retain its energy as we as we head down the pipe we're only a week in five yeah. days in ben yeah five days it'd be good to see phil retain his energy as well and that's Look, mate i'm i'm indomitable don't worry about that let's go to the pub well yeah f- f- phil will be back tomorrow that's all from us today oh, but God. we've got a, a bumper weekly episode tomorrow uh where we'll be looking back over the whole first week of the tournament a Whoa. couple of other things from the the wider world of cricket so uh, uh make sure you tune in then Podcast Network.